Hi, Fee Hills here from the Virtual Coffee House and welcome to, I think it's podcast episode four. And today I'm here with Abby Morokinu, a lead wellbeing consultant at the Virtual Coffee House, a colleague of mine. Now we're going to be exploring the state of the health and wellbeing of our employees in the workplace in 2022. Abby, start by telling us why you are so passionate about the state of health and well-being in today's workplace. Thanks, Fee, for that lovely introduction. So let's get right into it. For me, work is a very, very important part of life. And I think most people will be able to relate with this. Certainly, we get a good part of our fulfillment from the work that we do. It brings us satisfaction. Now, I don't believe burnout, dress, and just being tired should be the price that we pay for the work that we do. Let me start by telling you my story. I have been a qualified nurse for over 15 years. I've worked both in the NHS and private sector. But six years ago, I decided to not quit my profession, but I did quit my job. And the reason being was because I felt like I couldn't cope anymore. I felt like I wasn't giving as much as I could. And that's because I felt within myself, I felt burnt out mentally as well as physically. In fact, it did, it did actually affect me physically because I was diagnosed with pre-diabetes. And I know, I knew what I should be eating. I knew obviously <laughs> the right things to eat, but I just did not have that that motivation but when I first qualified it was like I felt like wow I'm finally a nurse like I've been let loose in the hospitals of <laughs> of London and you know I can finally start you know putting to practice all these amazing skills you know clinical skills that I've learned and watched as a student nurse and um you know anyone who knows the NHS we you know how hard nurses work you know how tough it can be but I don't think I've ever really really felt the pressure of being a nurse until when I had my child and I'll tell you why because Mm. it's bad enough trying to manage you know your your work life trying to manage and balance work and, and, you know, just general well-being and looking after yourself. Now, add in a baby no! to that. <laughs> and the thing is, having a baby, right, should be the happiest time of your life. You've, you know, you've created this amazing little human. Hmm. But when I went back to work after my maternity leave, do you know what, I... <laughs> I'll have to say that it was the hardest thing, hardest situation I've ever been in. Well, I'm going to tell you, Fee. I had a manager and um, we all know this, you know, this manager, you know, the one that basically has like zero emotions. It's literally (laughs) work, work, work. And it was just, it was difficult trying to explain to her that, I can't do these many hours. Like when I didn't have my child, yes, I could stay an extra two hours. I can work 14 hour shifts, but now I've got a baby. When I finish, I'd like to go home on time. Or sometimes I'd like to have time off because I need to take my child for a doctor's appointment. 
But these are things that became a problem and she wasn't understanding. So I always felt as if like I had to choose between my child and my work. And you know what? The funny thing is she actually said that to me once. She said nursing, and I'll never ever forget these words she said to me. She said, Abigail, nursing is a 24 hour job. You have to be available. And I'm like, but you can't with a baby, you can't, can you? Like exactly. You I'm yeah. like, but I have a child. Mm. <laughs> you know? Now you think about this, Fee. Mm. You go home, you're happy, you know, but then the following day, you know you've got to work. You know you've got to meet with this manager. You know you've got to meet with this person who has clearly decided that she's gonna make things difficult for you. Did you get on with her? I did used to get on with her. But I guess that was because before I had my child, I was always, like she said, I was always available. I was always, you know, the one who wants to do overtime. I was always the one who, you know, worked through my break. But then obviously dynamics changed and she just could not handle that, I guess. So your relationship suffered with your manager. What happened? I mean, obviously you left in the end, didn't you? So walk us through the story of what happened so basically um after she made it clear that you know twin nursing was a 24 hour job and that mm. if I wasn't able to do overtime or if I wasn't able to you know stay that little bit extra <laughs> that clearly I wasn't you know I wasn't as dedicated as other um, members of staff who didn't have who weren't in my situation who didn't have young kids and who you know maybe they were working all the hours that (laughs) that was available but I couldn't do it because you know I had a family I had a a little child to think about did it make you feel devalued in any way and stuff like that like how did it make you feel when she changed her opinion of you because you couldn't be as dedicated as you could prior to having a baby yeah to be honest with you I felt really vulnerable I felt like I had to work that little bit extra to prove myself but then also I always had that fear at the back of my mind that if I lost my job how would I you know be able to provide financially and obviously again I was like in a in between a rock and a hard place because I'm like well I'm not so happy in my job now but then I have to work this job because I want to earn some money at the end of the day did you like nursing was it the nursing job itself that you left or was it that situation for me I love nursing and I think you know any nurse or anyone who works in healthcare who's listening to this right now will attest to the fact that nursing is not something that you go into because you want to be a millionaire at the end of it or you want to you know it's something that you're passionate about you're passionate about helping people you're passionate about using your skills to make someone's life or quality of life that little bit better but if you asked me then was I happy in my job did I want to quit it was an absolute yes and I actually did in fact go on to quit my job but I didn't want to quit the profession so I had to obviously get creative and think well how can I continue to utilize my skills but not within hospital walls. And so walk us through what happened. You left and moved over and shifted over to Watford. How was that? What was that roadmap like? <laughs> okay, well, I wasn't that brave. So I didn't just quit. 
but I remember there was a day that I I went to my GP and I literally just broke down in tears I said listen every time I think about going to work it it gives me a palpitation like I could literally feel my heart beating you know rapidly I could feel myself feeling physically sick at the thought of having to go to work and my GP was just like, calm down, calm down. I, I was lucky because she was very, very sympathetic. I think she understood that I was having a little bit of what she called work-related stress. So she signed me off for about six weeks initially. Um, and then six weeks turned to three months. Three months mm-hmm. turned to six months. But all that while, I was just thinking, I'm not going to go back. I don't think I'm ever going to go back. And I think that's that that was basically the birthing point when I thought you know what I'm going to start my own business initially that was health in check and health in check basically is all about employee health and well-being people who don't have the time to physically go to to see their GPs to get themselves checked out you know in terms of you know checking their blood pressure their um, cholesterol level their diabetes status it's a service that basically um, is provided on site so there's minimal downtime employees have a health check in their place of work and then of course you're gone further with that with the coffee house yeah exactly what would you describe the culture of that workplace that you were in in that last year that you worked in nursing I would say the culture definitely was toxic apart from myself there were there were quite a number of other um nurses who left but it definitely wasn't a culture that was um, promoting well-being at all it wasn't promoting rest it wasn't promoting physical health because people were working through their breaks not it wasn't a great it wasn't a great um well-being culture at all thing is unless this problem is actually dealt with it's something that's just going to continue. We're losing a lot of talent. We're losing a lot of great nurses, a lot of great healthcare professionals. And I don't see it stopping anytime soon, unless, of course, something is done. And of course, the consequences of that are dire, aren't they? Not just Absolutely. in the health service, but the related services as well, the care industry. Where does COVID fit into all this versus how it was before, how it was getting as a culture, like in the health service? So for me, I think COVID has literally just basically brought to the forefront um, or basically highlighted a problem that has existed for several years. You know, COVID just basically emphasised the need and the importance of adopting a people first and a well-being culture in the workplace. This is exactly what COVID has done. Right, okay, see, so these are the results from a health check carried on a sizable number of employees in London. Okay, here are the results. So we tested blood pressure and over 37% came back with high blood pressure. We tested cholesterol and Mm -hmm. over 26% came back with high cholesterol. We did the same for blood glucose. So that's testing for um, type two diabetes and over 28% came back with high blood glucose. Wow. Now, 
over 54% of those employees were overweight. Okay. So and now, is, can I just stop you there? Sorry. What is when you say overweight? What are we talking about? What's considered okay? Mm -hmm. So we use a tool, and that tool is a so in addition to the body mass index, so BMI, we also measure their waist circumference. Now, if the waist circumference is over a certain uh, amount, so for women, it's if it's over thirty-five inches, then you're considered overweight so if on the body mass index you're over 28 you're considered overweight okay now out of that number we have about 28 percent who did say that they were physically inactive so that means that they get less than 30 minutes exercise a day is that what's considered inactive basically that's right yeah, yeah. And then high stress came back as 43%. Mm -hmm. And then unhealthy behavior, wow. we have 49%. Now, unhealthy behavior basically can comprise of things like um, smoking or not having five different portions of fruit and veg, not walking enough, as I mentioned before, and also drinking things. alcohol? Well, drinking alcohol, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then also things, even sleeping, you, you know, believe it or not as well. Um, so not getting quality sleep. So these are people that are working, you know, through the night, who are on their laptops, on their computer. They're not getting breaks. They're not taking breaks at work and so on. So that's all comes under the banner of unhealthy behaviour. Why is it important for organisations to know the physical health, first of all, of their people as well as their mental and emotional health? That is a really, really great question. The simple answer to that is if you can't measure something, then you can't treat it. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I call these days know your numbers days because if you don't know your number, if you don't know that your blood pressure is high, but that puts you at risk, greater risk of getting a stroke or heart attack, it can happen any time. Are those numbers getting worse than they were, say, prior to covid are they worse now yes they are getting worse now because during covid people had very limited access to their gps they had very limited access to healthcare and even me coming from a nhs background and a healthcare background i know that there is a huge backlog in people whose you know operations and procedures have been postponed so there's a huge backlog I mean, to me as a layman or lay person, whatever you want to call me, they, they sound they sound bad. Would you say so, unhealthy behaviour was at? So unhealthy behaviour was forty nine percent as well. Just to say, we have hybrid workers. Okay, so mm -hmm. now obviously we have a lot more people who are working from home. Okay, research has shown that people who are actually working from home are even at greater risk because they are the ones who are going to be constantly sitting at their desk. You know, there's no one who's going to be saying, okay, you know, go and take a break. So it's all down to you. There's more chances of you going to the fridge and reaching for, or, dare I say, a can of beer or, or just, you know, some chocolates just to get you through that work day. So no, you're right. You're right. You're so right. But can yeah. I just share something with you at this point? Like, what do you call it? A confession. Prior to COVID, 
I was I was what you call fit, did regular exercise, mm. engaged in different forms of exercise, and I love exercise all my life. In COVID, I was out that you had that hour, didn't you? So you made the most of it, or even if it was a bit more than an hour, you were out doing what you were doing, walking, yeah. exercise, and doing maybe gym work outside. And the weather was quite nice for a period of it, clearly through the seasons. Come the second lockdown or something. I lost it and I don't think I've had it back, got it back since. <gasps> so you lose that routine. And a lot of people have said this, that they've lost that habitual exercise that they were doing mm. and that they were really good in lo- first lockdown, but then lost it through the second and third. Yeah, yeah. So sure, there's a lot of people in this position. They either completely went into exercise where they weren't doing it before and then became really enthusiastic about it, or they lost it. There Mm. doesn't seem to be any in between. So you're saying hybrid working has an effect. Yeah, because you think about it, you're more likely to be motivated to do something when you've got a buddy. But when you're on your own, it can be quite, well it's almost near impossible to you know have that willpower you get into bad habits don't you just definitely and then it's very hard to come out of them if you haven't got a reason or motive for coming out of them that's right that that does actually make sense moving on to the culture and Mm. what have we got to know to create this preventative workplace culture that we don't know or haven't in the past it obviously does start with knowing our numbers but what numbers do we now need to know given the changes in the workplace like it is hybrid? So there is involved in things like emotional health and mental health, which is obviously a huge thing in workplaces right now for good reason. If I were trying to create a well-being culture, what numbers do I need to know to understand mm. where I am now? It definitely starts with a health check. So we need to be knowing what's going on with our heart. So it starts with the blood pressure. We need to know what's going on with our cholesterol, because obviously we know that that can put us at risk of heart disease. We also need to know our diabetes status, because type 2 diabetes is a very, very common, what they term, lifestyle disease. And it's called lifestyle disease for a reason. It's because of the type of, or the kind of lifestyle that we're leading now. And it's putting adults at greater risk of type 2 diabetes we also need to know how our bodies are doing by that I mean if you're overweight then you know you need to nip that in the bud what percentage of people were uh, overweight or obese in that just just remind us okay so just to remind you um we had for um, obesity or being overweight, we had over 50%. I mean, that's high. In that case, yeah. stu- in that case study, yeah. This Isn't case it? study was actually a year after lockdown. So obviously we know that we had a lot of people who were inactive mm. due to the fact that obviously they had that lockdown. But, you know, as you mentioned, Fee, that third lockdown, I think a lot of people, you know, like yourself, just dipped and just lost that whole motivation to even do anything if we've got these figures that are saying that our workforce is not healthy at all or obviously there will be organizations where they are but if we're saying that this is a trend i.e the numbers are getting worse what that's predicting 
is a really bad situation for talent management. Yeah, I, I agree. And I can only just use this analogy. It's like a relationship. No one wants to stay in a relationship where they're not valued or they are not appreciated. And people certainly will leave if that's the case. And I think that's the same for the workplace as well. People will not stay at a place where they feel undervalued and overworked. You know, it doesn't matter how much they get paid because there's there are talent spotters out there who will attract employees with a even probably even a better salary and more opportunities. Just going back to your um, initial question about what we can do, um, health checks, as I as I mentioned, is a great place to start, but it's not enough. It's not enough. What you also need to do is to make sure that you can. Um, measure the emotional well-being of your people as well because as I mentioned in my story as much as I wanted to do the right things to exercise to eat right but if I'm working 14 hour shifts a day the last thing I want to do is to go home and have some salad you know I'm going to be eating (laughs) the most dodgiest (laughs) the most dodgiest carbohydrate laden dinner ever and I'm probably going to have a tub of ice cream because I feel like beep. Wouldn't you agree? Emotional eating, 100%. Yeah. So we lose that self compassion. We lose that value in ourselves. And the moment we do that, we can can immediately go to emotional eating. If it's not eating, it could be drink. I don't like to say it's more important than physical well being because they're all as important as each other. But Mm. the emotional well being will lead us to physical bad habits if we're not emotionally well. And also, if we're not mentally well, well, clearly there's mental, emotional and physical. It's important to know all these numbers, isn't it? Absolutely. Sorry, this whole thing about people getting burnt out and then leaving, like what happened to you. No amount of responsive well-being would have helped you. It wouldn't have, because mentally I wasn't in the right place. Emotionally, I was already detached from the workplace. If, for example, going back to that time that you were with the health service and they had basically said, uh, you're you're suffering from work-based stress, come back to work, we'll give you some yoga classes and some well-being interventions, it wouldn't have solved the problem, would it? It wouldn't have been. It would have been great, but it wouldn't have yeah. solved the problem. It may have solved the short-term stress. A bit, mm. but the fundamental problem was the uh, culture at work. That's right. In the next podcast with you, Abby, what I would really like to talk about is that story of a lady in America who has been arrested and charged with homicide for a mistake which could have a huge knock on effect into the care industry globally. And I want to really talk to you about that on a separate episode, Abby. Feet. In all honesty, I am absolutely looking forward to discussing that because I had a conversation with a friend the other day about this. And I think, you know, as as much as people will have their opinion, this is why I I am so passionate about this subject, because we are going to have a lot more people after this nurse probably being convicted of the same thing. It's dangerous because we're trying to make our people feel valued, safe, A potted storyline here. There was a nurse in America who has been arrested. She accidentally, and I say accident was absolutely accidentally. I'm not saying it's not really tragic, the whole story, but she accidentally 
killed a woman by giving her the wrong meds. You put a certain code in and unfortunately she put the wrong code in. Immediately she found out what had happened and was completely horrified herself, obviously, and was completely transparent and went to the senior management and said, I made a mistake. Immediately the police were involved and she was charged with homicide. It went to court and she's been found guilty. Abby and I want to talk about this case as a dedicated episode. Why? Because it has such a knock-on effect on not just the health service and the care industry and people, one, not being willing to join because it's too risky to the rest of their lives, if you're not careful, mm. but also uh, how psychologically safe the cultures are. If we do our job, we're not going to get done for homicide if we do something wrong. But if you're in uh, maybe the police or you're a nurse or whatever it may be, or a doctor, mistakes can happen with no malintent. And I'm not saying that, that people should not be held responsible, but this is a really big case where it's very questionable whether this lady should have ever been in a court in the first place. And that's why this is worth the discussion. And of course, we don't want things to go wrong. But should somebody who's made a mistake be done for homicide and actually spend years in prison, especially if they have been completely transparent and gone to the senior management where they didn't need to own up and say, I made a mistake because they're so horrified of what's happened. So I'm not taking anything away from the fact of that family who suffered the loss of their loved one. But I think this is a story that really does need a bit of discussion so abby are you up for this episode i am so up for it when people make mistakes we have to look at the proceedings around that yeah. so were yeah. they tired have they been going through things their mental state their emotional state also you have to consider the fact that she made a mistake and she owned up and what is this going to do for everyone else who is watching this now when they make a mistake, are they going to come up and own it? Or are they going to think, well, <laughs> I remember well, not, what happened to this. Exactly. And if you'd watched that story and you were in nursing, <laughs> would you ever be transparent? I mean, like, no. This is, yeah, this is what I really want to discuss. And I hope that um, our listeners will be, you know, tuning into that because we can all learn from this. And yeah, it doesn't matter the fact it's in America and we're in the UK or anything. This is a story yeah. that could happen globally. This exactly. is a story that could happen in any country. It's a very sad story. It's, it's to me, it's quite a horrifying story. So this has been really, really helpful. Abby, I just want to say thank you for sharing your story and also talking about the overall importance as well about creating a preventative work base culture starting with knowing your numbers on a more holistic level so we can go deeper into that in future episodes with the how if you don't mind of course thank you fee oh thanks very much abby one if anyone wants to ask abby a question just reach out at abby at virtualcoffeehouse.club you want to talk about health checks or the health check plus which is the emotional and mental and physical checks you can reach out again to abby at virtualcoffeehouse.club that's all for today thanks very much for listening and until the next time over and out